0: Hey, I did want to uh, say to you, if uh, you didn't get a chance to listen to Scott's message last week, I would really encourage you to get online or, or get on the app or whatever and listen to that message. Uh, he did a really, really excellent job uh, with, with Chapter 5, a little too excellent, actually, if you ask me, um, for, being, for me being gone, but um, that there are... Um, there, there are some uh, sermons uh, just, that just kind of flow. The, the, the text almost does the preaching for you. And then uh, there are sermons that you read the text and you're like, uh-oh, uh, this is going to require a lot of research, a lot of thought. And chapter 5 is one of those texts, and he had that with about three days' notice. Um, and so he, with his schedule and my, the way everything flowed out with my family, um, he he had that f- uh, for about three days. And so he did a really, really good job. So listen to that message; um, it will be well worth it, and it, it's good preparation for uh, to get you back in line for 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 the next Sunday because he did chapter five. I'm doing chapter four, and then next week we'll be in chapter six. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you uh, for today. Uh, thank you for your Word. Uh, I just want to pray. Uh, over our congregation right now that if there's anybody uh, in this room that is um, feeling tired and worn out emotionally or spiritually, um, that this passage would, would lead us to rest, to rest in you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I was uh, taught from a a very uh, early age, and maybe you were taught this as well, that if there is a part of your day that you are really kind of dreading or you don't want to do, that the best thing you can do is get up and do that thing first, right? Get the thing that you don't want to do out of the way first. And the way a lot of times this plays out for me in adulthood is in the spring and in the fall that usually in the spring in the fall we'll have a work day at our house where in the spring we pull out all uh, the lawn furniture and toys and we wash those and we lay down mulch and we put in flowers and we plant our vegetable garden. And it's a good day, but it's a long day. And I usually, that morning, will just find myself waking up early and uh, getting up and, and getting going. And the goal is simple. Get it done early. Get it done early and then you can enjoy the rest of your day. And a lot of people, some people like to procrastinate on that stuff as long as they can. And I, I get that too. I have some tendencies to that as well. But a lot of people learn the lesson that I learned. That man, if there's a phone call you don't want to make, get up, get it done, and enjoy the rest of your day. If there's a tough conversation with a colleague, get into the office, get it taken care of, and enjoy the rest of your day. If there's a decision that's looming, if you're anything like me, you just want to get up, make the decision, and get it get it moving forward. Now, with that groundwork being laid, if you have your Bibles open them up to Hebrews four, Hebrews four, because we're kind of drawn to this idea of getting things done for a particular reason. And and the reason is that we are drawn to this idea of rest. And in some ways, the idea of resting from manual labor or from a hard day's work, in one way that's kind of awesome to think about. But when the Bible talks about rest, the Bible talks about it in much more emotional and even spiritual tones. Uh, it actually goes back to the story of the Exodus in the Bible. That in the, the story of the Exodus, God's people were in slavery, and God raised up a man named Moses uh, to free his people from their slavery. They ended up uh, wandering in, in the desert, and God had promised them that he was going to lead them to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was going to provide them rest. Rest. And and for the Israelites wandering in the desert, and for the Israelites that had been in slavery, what this idea of rest signified to them was a rest from slavery, a rest from worry, a rest from anxiety, a rest from the hardship of, of Egypt, a rest in God. Does it sound good to anybody in the room? To get some rest, that I wanna, I wanna read to you this whole passage of scripture and give us kind of, uh, it's only 13 verses, but um, a, a, a kind of airplane view of, of of the text because this is gonna fit in line with what we were talking about before I left uh, town, the idea of Jesus being superior to Moses. And four argue, chapter, uh, in chapter four, the writer of Hebrews makes the argument that one of the reasons Jesus was and is superior to Moses is that Moses was never able to lead the people into rest, and Jesus is. And so one of our themes today is that if you will follow Jesus, if you will put your faith into him, Jesus will lead you to rest. He's able to do that. He's competent to do that. He knows how to do that. Moses wasn't able to do it because of the people's disobedience. We'll talk about that later. Jesus is able to lead us to rest, but we have to follow him. Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who believed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest." and yet his works have uh, been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again has set a certain day, calling it today. This he did a long time later when he spoke through David, uh, as the passage has already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There then remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also enters from their works, just as God did from his Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before uh, the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So let's talk for a minute about rest. Uh, for, For those of you that are feeling like you need some rest, biblically speaking, there are probably four different types of rest. A couple of them are mentioned in this passage. There is a Sabbath rest, All right, that that as Christians, we believe that there is to be a day of the week set aside. uh, For most people, it's Sunday, a day set aside for rest. This goes all the way back to the creation story. That on the seventh day, as God was creating the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day, God rested from his work. Now, how many of you know that God did not rest from his work because he was tired? God doesn't get tired. All right, just theology 101, all right? God never gets tired. God rested from his work because the work of creating the world was completed. All right, it, it, it was done. Uh, and, and this is the promise in Israel uh, that, that he gave them, that they would, uh, they would set a day aside and they would not bring work into that day. They would set a day aside and say, the work is complete. The work is done. I am going to rest in God. And this stood in direct contrast to the people's experience in slavery. Because in slavery, the work was never done. In slavery, there was always more work to do. There was always more things to do. Your life depended on it. And God, when he released his people from slavery, God said, now I am your God and I am a good God. And I am telling you one day a week on the Sabbath day, rest from your work. Call your work completed. Follow my example. And you know what the Sabbath day reminds us of in a lot of ways? It reminds us that our work is not our God. Sabbath day is a way to put the work down and to focus on God who is our one true God. And you know what we discover when we do that? That my goodness, somehow the world survives. (laughs) You never thought it would, right? That that when you put your work down and you rest in God and you give him your attention, somehow, some way, the company goes on, the family goes on, somehow things still get done, the world still uh, begins to turn. And so you see, here's what I want to challenge you with. Some of us are treating ourselves more like Pharaoh than God. We have ourselves in slavery because we never rest. Our minds are always going. There's always another thing to do. And God might be whispering in your ear today, hey, it's time to take a rest. It's time to put the work down. Put the work down and rest in me. So there's a Sabbath rest. There's an eternal rest, right? This kind of Sabbath day idea finds its way in the theology of heaven that someday our work on earth will be done. Someday our striving will be done. And the Bible says we will enter into an eternal rest. And so one of the imageries of God that I really like in the Bible is that sometimes God is sitting Sometimes God is sitting down in passages in the Bible, and he's not sitting again because his legs get tired, right? He's, he's sitting because, again, the work is done. So let me, with that understanding, let me show you Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, from the chair, saying, look, the dwelling place of God is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then listen to this. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So on the day that heaven and earth collide, God is seated because the work is done. The work of earth is done. And then we enter into an eternal rest an eternal rest where there is no more hardship or toil or pain or suffering for the old order of things has passed away. And it is signified by the idea that God is sitting down. Those things no longer have to be addressed. The work is done and we now enter into eternal rest. There's also a daily rest. There is this rest a certain type of spiritual rest that comes when you have a tongue going on and it's in the middle of the work week and you're overwhelmed. There is this rest from your soul, this rest for your spirit that is available to you. Um, I, I had this experience when, when I was up in Michigan that... Um, my dad's wife had passed away on uh, Sunday. We got that word. And uh, she had been the primary caretaker for my dad, um, whose his health has been declining. So we're, I haven't figured things out with, with him. And it was just a very, very overwhelming week. And I remember on more than one occasion, I'd be driving around in my car or trying to go to sleep. And I just pray, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom like I've never needed it before. And there was still a million things to do and still a million uh, decisions to make but I found some rest for my soul because this is what Jesus does. Has anyone ever had an experience like that? We're in the middle of like a busy kind of tough time. You just pray and all of a sudden some rest comes. Um, that's Jesus giving us rest. He brings us daily rest. If we'll rest in him, he will bring us daily rest. Rest. There's also a spiritual rest. This is the last one. The writer of Hebrews talks about the good news of Jesus being proclaimed, that, that there comes this moment in everyone's life where you contemplate, if there's a God, then God and I need to be okay. And you start, you feel a lot of times you might feel a little bit anxious about that. Are God and I okay? And this passage will teach that one of our knee-jerk reactions in that moment is, well, I need to work. I need to work to earn his approval. And we get all anxious about those things. I better get to work. I better do good things. I better be a good person. I better do my best. And God and I will be okay. And the writer of Hebrews is teaching us. No, you can enter into his rest, a rest from your work, knowing that that everything's okay. But if that's going to happen, it's not going to be based on what you have done. Because as long as it's based on your effort and your work, you're always going to wonder, have I done enough? Or you're going to fall into pride thinking, of course I've done enough. I'm a great person. Um, And so one of those two things will happen. And the gospel teaches us that we find our rest and our security, not in our work, but in the work of Jesus. And and that his work is enough for us. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. I've talked to you about it before, that I give Jesus all of my sin and he pays for it on the cross. And he gives me all of his righteousness. And now I can rest in him, knowing that God and I are okay. I am forgiven. I am a child of God. And so there's a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about rest. Um, And I've got a couple of things that I'm just going to read to you. Um, I wish we could have them on the slide. I took my son uh, this week to a um, thing at Milliken University and we were walking in and the usher was trying to, to seat us. And my son said, we're gonna sit in the back because of my dad's unusual tallness. Um, and so we, we don't have slides because of my unusual tallness. Um, so like I wish I could have, uh, there's some poems and some scriptures that um, I just wanna read to you because I think they bring us rest. And so when I think about rest, I think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I'm not afraid. For you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Hebrews 4 that he is the ultimate fulfillment of the rest that your heavenly father wants you to have. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, hey, come to me. Jesus said, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What Moses wasn't able to do Jesus is able to do. He is able to lead you to rest. But you have to go to him. And this goes, the passage will go on to give us a couple warnings about rest. In verse one, he says, what what we don't want to have happen is we don't want to fall short the passage says, of the rest Jesus wants for us. Um, He talks in the passage about how the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, they didn't have enough faith to enter into the rest. And then in verse 11, he says, we don't want to follow their example of disobedience. So one of the things that we'll see in Israel's history is that there was a temptation throughout their history that in the middle of anxious times, in the middle of tired times, in the middle of the desert, they would often give in to this temptation to worship other gods. Uh, You see it in the story of Moses receiving the law. They're in the desert, they're hot, they're hungry, they're tired. It's a toxic combination. And Moses is up on the mountain and he's receiving the law and the people are down uh, from the mountain and they are tired of waiting. And they say, we don't even know where this Moses fellow is. Like they barely even know him. We don't know where this Moses fellow is. And so they gathered all the gold they had together. They melted it down and they made a false God for for them to to worship. And this is the Bible says why they didn't didn't enter into the rest. A lot of them died in the desert because they wouldn't stay faithful to God in the middle of uh, tiring, difficult times. And let me tell you something. There is something about when you're, Uh, In the desert, and you're tired, and you're anxious, and you're worried, and things have kind of fallen apart, you are so susceptible to to temptation in that moment. A a a temptation to worship other gods, because everything has changed since Exodus, and not much has changed. In the middle of the desert, when you're tired, frustrated, waiting, it is easy to turn to other things, to be your God. Entertainment, work, work family, food, alcohol, drugs. We can turn to these things to try to find some rest for our souls. And the sad thing about Israel's story is not only did those other gods fail to give them rest, it actually prolonged their time in the desert. So it actually prolonged their time in the desert. So is there an area of disobedience or turning to another God that is causing you right now to miss the rest Jesus has in store for you? Are you turning to someone or or some other thing to be your sense of of rest when you should be turning to to Jesus? The Bible, uh, the writer of Hebrews will say the best way for you to evaluate this is through the word of God. At right, the end of this passage, when it's talking about don't fall, you know, don't fall into disobedience like Israel did, find your rest in Jesus, stay faithful, stay true, don't turn to something else, turn to Jesus, it gives us the backdrop of the word of God in verse 12, it says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, so he says, man, the word of God is going to point you to Jesus, And the word of God is going to reveal what you're turning to when you should be turning to Jesus. The word of God is going to tell you as you're reading it, it just has a way of doing this. Man, you're turning to this other thing. You're turning to this other person. You're turning to this other God to be your place of of rest. And, and, And you need to stop doing that. You need to turn to Jesus. So it's so important that we be in his word because it's alive and it's active and it's trying to point these things out to us so that we be in this word on a regular basis, that we be in church on a regular basis, that we be involved with other Christians on a regular basis. And there's this part of this passage that I love that I want to encourage you with, because uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you understand this, anticipation can kill rest. Here's what I mean, that I had to learn this the hard way as a parent, that we'd be having something uh, fun that we were going to do with my six-year-old, and uh, my six-year-old Sam, and we, you know, I would be putting him to bed, and I'd say, hey, tomorrow... We're gonna do this, and it's gonna be fun, and you're gonna enjoy it. Well, guess what happened tomorrow? He woke up at five, because anticipation kills rest, right? He was so looking forward to it that he woke up at the crack of dawn. He's like, I'm ready to do it. And it's like, well, that doesn't open for eight hours right? You know, I, I, you know, and and then, you know, we have a situation on our hands that um, anticipation, a lot of people, when they read uh, what this passage is teaching about rest, they assume it's the, the only thing it's talking about is eternal rest in, in heaven. And the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure we understand that's not true. There is an eternal rest that is coming for us, but there is, I love the way the writer of Hebrews says it in verse seven. He says, God set a certain day God wanted to set aside a day where you could receive rest for your soul. God wanted to set aside a certain day. And you know what he called that day? Today. Don't you love that? That rest is available for you today. Right, Rest is not just available for you when we die and go to heaven, right? that This world is not something to just kind of muddle through and just, well, I guess I'm just going you know, to not, not get any rest. Rest is available for you. He set aside a day for you to enter into the rest, and that rest is today. But the writer of Hebrews wants to make sure we understand, man, we got to fa- find it in Jesus. There's so many other things vying for our attention, places where we try to find rest. And they not only don't bring us rest, they prolong our time in the desert says so we have to find it in Jesus and Jesus is leading us to rest. So he warns us about disobedience. He also warns us about works. Look at verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. There is this, just go with me on this, but there is a human nature thing when we're in anxious, uh, uh, difficult times. Uh, there, there's, there is this kind of piece of us that says, if I work hard enough, I can find rest, right? If, I, if I, I can work my way through this, I can solve this problem. Sometimes we even do it with God. I mentioned it earlier, that if I'm good enough, if I put the effort in, then I can find rest in God. But it, and it sounds crazy, but there, I t- promise probably about half this room is wired up this way, uh, statistically, kind of like a type A personality, that their solution uh, to their lack of rest spiritually and emotionally is effort, I just need to work harder. I need to put in more effort. I need to plug away and rest can come for me. Now listen, God created work, right? Work is a good thing. As a matter of fact, before sin even entered into the picture, uh, God gave Adam a job. I always tell young ladies, hey, when you're looking for a guy to marry, take your page out of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The guy needs to have a J-O-B, job. He needs to be putting in effort, okay? Uh, Because before sin even entered into the world, work was was a thing. But God did not create work to be our solution to this problem of anxiety and, um, uh, and rest. Work is not the solution to the overwhelmed, anxious life. And let me tell you why. Because work, like everything, has been tarnished by sin. Let me show you what God said to Adam uh, after sin entered, the, entered into the world in regards to work and effort. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. All, right? All the gardeners in the room know exactly what we're talking about. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You know what God is really saying here to Adam? That because of sin, and because we live in a broken and fallen world, when it comes to work, here's the answer. There's always more to do. There's always more to do. Have you ever noticed that in your work? There's always one more weed to pull, isn't there? And guess what? Tomorrow there'll be more. You're welcome, right? Um, t- tomorrow there'll be more. There's always another paper to file. There's another, always one more thing to be done around your house. There's always more to do. And some of us put on our superhero cape. And We say, yeah, Challenge accepted. I will work my way out of this situation and I will find myself rest. But you know this is true. You've tried that for years. There's always more to do. You could say the same thing spiritually, that there's always one more good thing you could do, always one more good action you could take. It is just never Ending. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're in a pattern like this where there's always one more thing to do. It's like, I'm never gonna get to the end of the, uh, to, the to the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you finally have this thought. You're like, I've tried everything. Now I'm going to pray, All right? Am I the only one that's ever thought this way? I, I've, I've tried every single thing I can do. Rest is not coming. Peace is not coming. I've tried everything. Now, now I just need to, to pray. And then you pray and rest for your weary soul comes because work is not the solution to this. Effort is not the solution to it. You should work hard. It is not to bring your life peace, right? There, there are, that's a whole nother sermon. There are other reasons we should work hard, uh, but, but it's not to bring peace. We are invited to lay our work down and to come to Jesus. And by his work and by his effort, he'll bring us rest. Now, the interesting thing about Jesus is when you come to him, he's probably going to have some stuff he wants you to do. When you come to Jesus for your source of, of rest, but that effort and that work is going to flow from a place of emotional, spiritual rest. And so it's better. It's going to be driven by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be from a place of rest. But he may ask you to have a conversation with someone or to make a change or to take an action, but it will come from a place of rest. And have you ever noticed how much better you work when you're rested? So Jesus is able to lead us to rest. And because of a lack of faith and disobedience... Moses wasn't able to lead the people into the promised land. He wasn't able to lead them into rest. Jesus is better. He can lead us to rest, but we need to find our rest in him. And I'm telling you, a lot of us in this room are trying to find our rest in any other number of places. Some of us are trying to address it by our own efforts and we're trying to bring ourselves rest. I think we just need to lay it down today. And we need to say, Jesus, um, I am coming uh, to you and I'm going to find my rest in you. When I was up in Michigan, uh, we were um, cleaning out my dad's apartment. And uh, um, while we were doing that, I found um, a framed poem uh, that a close uh, family member, uh, a close friend of ours uh, had given us when my mom died uh, in 1993. And uh, they had given us this poem and it had been framed, uh, just beautiful piece of artwork. And it hung on my dad's apartment uh, for years and years Ago, and as I was looking at it in my dad's apartment, I teared up a little bit because I was remembering my mom. Um, and then I thought about this sermon, and I, I think it's a good way to end. Um, the The name of the poem is Footprints, and it says, uh, "One night I dreamed a dream, as I was walking, as I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky, flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two foot, set of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me." and one belonging to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back in the footprints in the sand, and I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially in the lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints It troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints, I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, why would you leave me? And Jesus whispered, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never ever during your ty- times of trials and testing would I ever leave you. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Jesus will bring you rest. He will. That is the theme of Hebrews 4. He is better than Moses. Moses wasn't able to do it because of his disobedience and the disobedience of Israel, but Jesus is able to. Jesus is able to lead us to rest, but we must, we must, we must come to him. So today I want to invite you to lay down whatever you've been turning to, whatever efforts you've been putting in to bring yourself some peace and and to solve your own anxiety and your own sense of restlessness. And I want to invite you as we sing Uh, an invitation song to just mentally and spiritually come to Jesus, pray to him, give him your life, and watch him lead you to rest. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for um, the rest that he brings us, the rest that he gives. We know that it's found in him. So we've been turning to other things. We all do it. Um, We want to have in our church a Me Too culture. And I can tell you this is a me too moment. We turn to other things. We want to repent of that. And we want to turn to you. Because you will bring us rest. As we sing this song, I pray that an overwhelming sense of rest and peace would be found in this room. And that we would be overwhelmed by it. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.